Merry Christmas, everybody. Welcome to Real Chronicles, brought to you by SimmatterGrill.com. I'm your host, David. I'm joined with today, Mr. Jack Renor. How are you today? Renor. <laughs> Doing good. Uh, glad to be here talking about this movie, which I know is one of your favorites. Yes. And was at one point my very favorite as well, but time has gone on since, but I still love it nonetheless. And I'm excited I, to talk about it with someone I, who is as in love with it as you are i am so excited to talk about this movie that i combined the end of uh your last name with the start of our next guest first name mr rory how are you today welcome back i'm, I'm doing well thanks for having me guys yeah this is this is going to be a fun discussion uh we are going to be looking at a movie that will be playing for 24 hours straight in about 48 hours uh Bob Clark's A Christmas Story as it turns 40 years old. Uh, this is Jack's Right. This is my favorite Christmas movie of all time. It's actually my top 25 favorite movies of all time. I adore this movie. Um, it's going to be a fun discussion as we show some love to a movie that I think captures a lot of what Christmas is all about. And and we're going to get into that. Uh, but before we jump into the movie, let's get into some of the news, which is only one thing I want to talk about today, and that is the oscar shortlist that was unveiled on thursday and as always there's always some controversy the last year's big it, i don't think anything tops what happened last year with giacchino's the batman score being yeah left out. like i think that's an all-timer <laughs> there, there, bad there's nothing, there's nothing here i think like oppenheimer missing vfx and the the first shortlist that they did that was probably like the one big one of this year but. so i won't get into like every single running through every single uh, film that hit the shortlist, but I did want to touch on some highlights. So one for me, one of the biggest highlights for me was a movie I thought wouldn't even make the shortlist and in documentary feature still a Michael J. Michael J. Fox movie is still in the running. I'm that should be the winner. You, I just want to say you, that you you were you were discounting. I don't I don't know what led you to like discount that because they don't like, do those movies. They just don't okay, do those movies. I, I thought about that because I was like, "Won't you be my neighbor?" Like, yeah, that's right. But like, they didn't even bring Raj. Like, life itself didn't even make that okay. Yeah, don't don't remind me about that one. That one basically sad. Uh, <laughs> but. I'm... I, I hope I it like gets in, one, man. I feel like this was as big, but I, I, I think it's gonna maintain its buzz and its titular subject is just so beloved, especially. I mean, Academy like, Award winner time. Michael J. Fox sounds really fucking good, mm-hmm. really fucking good. Um, were, were you saying that Oppenheimer didn't get nominated or is in the it was to be nominated for Oppenheimer for VFX? For, sorry, for, VFX. For the VFX. Yeah, I didn't make mm-hmm. the shortlist. Really? Yeah. Yeah. But let's go not, through. Not, not, well, not even the shortlist. It didn't make the long list. So, <laughs> so VFX only has ten movies. So I actually could go through these relatively quick. So VFX had the creator Godzilla minus one, which is definitely a pull from like the last like two weeks. I think um, that, that that love is there. I think that's getting in because that that surge has to have been like in the last like month or so. I I wouldn't be upset if that movie made it in there. I that's haven't a, seen it. I'm finally, movie. I'm finally seeing it on Wednesday next oh, week. Oh, you so. haven't seen it yet? No, no. It. 
I oh, missed you. The... You're you're gonna love this movie. It is well. You know what? Don't listen to me. Don't get yourself. <laughs> it's gonna be something. Don't you know hold him mean? accountable. I missed yeah. the because we had it in New York for one weekend on IMAX, and I missed it, and then I kind of just yeah. fell off it. But I knew I had to catch it before the end of the year, so I definitely excited to watch it this week. Um, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Dest- Destiny. That's in, and I don't care what anyone said because it's it's that typical nomination from like we need yeah. to. It feels like it's in Mission Impossible, Napoleon, Poor Things, Rebel Moon, <laughs> Society of the Still, and Spider Man Across the Spider Verse. Uh, that's the Wait. inspired word, inspired one for me with Spider Man being in there. How many? There have only been like two animated movies to have been up for visual effects, right? I think it was The Nightmare Before Christmas, and I think Kubo and the Two Strings. That's it. Yeah, I think that's got it. it. Yeah, so Spider Spider Man makes three. So yeah, I don't know what Oppenheimer is not doing here. But that was a that was a surprising peculiar. one. Peculiar, yeah, I agree. Um, Didn't he like recreate explosions and stuff? I'm like, what do you what do you and, want from the guy? I totally agree. Original song, we have my biggest disappointment outside of Barbie not getting into makeup and hairstyling which is like a shocker to begin with yeah um really <laughs> no no offense to asteroid city i like that movie hey, quite now. A bit. hey uh, now i'm going Come there <laughs> if dear alien who are in heaven could get it why is peach is not in the short list that's kind of like know, the I only thing gonna i'm say, gonna say that was okay my thought on that was when I left the theater from Asteroid City, I had that thought. I was like, you know, like this could like be in submission for the Oscars for best song, but it's probably not going to happen. I was heartbroken when I saw Peach just was gone, but then I saw Dear Alien. <laughs> and can you imagine how awesome it would be to have like a something like yodeling on like the Oscar stage and like yeah. like the dosi do? Hell yeah! <laughs> so and then. Uh, to correct something that I said last week, uh, three Barbie songs cannot get in because it the Oscars it's mandated at two. So uh, I assume I, it's I I'm just the Ken. Two, the, yeah, I'm just Ken. And what was I made for? Yeah, that's that's where I'm at too. Um, does Ryan Gosling get an Oscar if it wins? I don't think he wrote the song. Okay. I think yeah, it's the I song. Think I think it's Mark Ronson and whoever else wrote the music because um, that that could kind of help us with supporting actor and song because we could get but Ryan the, Gosling. the question becomes does he perform yeah, i think I, I think that opens the oscars oh good point like yeah. i, I thought get... of like you can do what was that like uh what was i made for as well you could do the barbie opening like with american for our speech playing over like all like actresses throughout the years and then you could start with i'm just ken and you get a lot of actors that come in can you imagine pacino as a ken <laughs> like Pacino, De Niro, just bring like any Mel Brooks, <laughs> like every like, phenomenal like, like, legends, yeah. phenomenal Gary stuff. Busey in there. I I don't know Rory after his after Monster Mania last year. I don't think. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Did you hear about that? Uh, yeah, yeah, that was that was so, bad. So, you know, Dave, honestly, but... with uh, Gary Busey, I did go to a Monster Mania. Like it was like I don't know, it was like ten years ago, and he was there. And um, it was a weird moment to see Gary Busey walking up and down the halls of his uh, nearest hotel room, uh, acting like a robot in his pajamas. 
Like literally just walking up and down the halls, acting like a robot. And I was like, yep, that's Gary Busey. That yeah. checks out. <laughs> he got booted Jack out of the last convention. Yeah, I, you, you told you me about that, that story. But what were you going to say? Yeah, so how are we now feeling about Flame and Hot? <laughs> oh, that's in. That's not- yeah. That's it. Diane Warren, Diane Warren on there. Like I don't even know this song. I haven't even seen this movie. I, I, I'm, I think she, I feel good about her being in. I, I, I wanted to be sure. I was like, there's only one, correct? Because I didn't want to worry about votes splitting. But yes, the chips go in at number at the five slot. There it is. And then score. <laughs> I mean, uh, everyone, everything that we expected is here. Yeah. Like my my Barbie surprises me a little bit. Like I don't remember a score. <laughs> Except yeah, how was I made for played throughout the entire movie for the most part? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's Oppenheimer. That, that and the opinion. holdovers. I don't remember the original score for holdovers. I just remember a lot of like kind of Cat Stevens vibe, like kind of needle drops like my, that. My um, hope and prayer, like literally, is obviously Oppenheimer to win and then Spider Verse to get in because that is my second favorite mm-hmm. score of the year. I adore that score. Uh, Poor Things is great. Um, and Zone of Interest. If you guys haven't seen Zone of Interest yet, that score, Mika. That's what, Mika, I, that's what I, mean, I need to see. Mika, yeah. Mika never really disappoints with like out there scores. Uh, anything else, Jack, on here from the short list that you want to oh. mention? Um, let me see. What is sound looking like? That Oppenheimer's gonna win. <laughs> oh yeah. Zone <laughs> uh, of interest you know, being I, I, in here is so sublime for sound. That, yeah, that that is an interesting poll. Oh, I, when you see the movie, I, I think it's telling. When you see the movie, you'll understand why it's there. It, it, okay. Hundred percent. Have you seen Zone of Interest yet, Rory? Not yet. Oh, uh, it's a fun, it's right up your alley. There's no way you don't really? love that movie. No way you don't love that movie. Um, I could touch more about it off the line, but it's it's very much. I think it'd be up your alley. Um, okay. and I'll an animated okay. animated short. I'm glad the Disney short got in because that should be winning the Oscar in a walk. Oh, oh, I I I guess speaking of shorts, does Wes Anderson finally get his Oscar? Um, how how anticlimactic would that be? It feels the proper way to reward him because I do, mind you, I don't like it too much. But I'll just consider it Asteroid City, a short version of that as as his Oscar win and move on because he deserves an Oscar. Yeah, get him, get him for both. Yeah, I don't. Should... I honestly don't think he's ever going to win one, like above the line. Yeah. You think he, you think he's going to have like that Hitchcock kind of thing? Well, if he wins one, career, they just give him like a the honorary one. Award. Don't remind yeah. me of Hitchcock every time. Every time, and this is like before Jack come on. Any uh, before Jack started coming on the pod. Every time we had discussions every Oscar season about uh, uh, director snubs, and I'm like, yo, Hitchcock never won an Oscar, so I don't want to hear it. How does that happen? <laughs> like, like one of his movies, uh, I believe it was Rebecca from 1940. Yeah, it one best picture. Not him. They were like, still can't give it to wait, him. Wait, did he, he? Was he in for director? Uh, yeah, I believe so. Okay, I was gonna say because I feel like there was a, a couple more instances where the movies got in, but he himself didn't get in, and I'm I, just like, hmm. Like I think Hitch, and I look back. I obviously I think he deserves it, but I just think he just had rotten was luck. Of, I think he was also like ahead of his time. That too. You know, you know yeah. what's interesting too? Did Did you guys ever read that book, um, Hitchcock Truffaut? Like, I've uh, like, longer. I've like glazed through it, kind of like checked out some parts but it's it's really fascinating from what i've read yeah what's really interesting about hitchcock is that we see him as like such a like one of the greatest filmmakers of all time i mean he is probably my favorite director of all time me too 
And but like the reason why Truffaut, one of the reasons why he wanted to do that interview with them was because at that time, like critics didn't really respect Hitchcock all that much. Like, what what year was the book like released a, again? What's that? What year was the book released again? I mean, like or the interviews it, conducted. Uh, that's escaping me at the moment. But I mean, I know mm-hmm. like the version of it I have. I mean, he went all the way down the line into the seventies. But I, I feel like the it probably would have been like the very beginning of it probably would have been somewhere in the sixties. But like I, I think they thought of him more as like a commercial filmmaker at that point. I think the artistry <laughs> of of Hitchcock was maybe lost on them. So Hitchcock wanted to I'm sorry, Truffaut wanted to write that book to kinda like be like, No, 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 this is not like commercial garbage, this is like art. Like Rear Window, I I, I guess was savage when it first came out. Like people weren't as wild about it and then he was just like no this is like cinema but i'm not going to keep talking about that book i apologize for going off <laughs> no no i was just looking at what one best picture when psycho came out and unfortunately yeah I was unfor- gonna say, unfortunately, he had no shot really argue <laughs> like i prefer you know, psycho I, was, I prefer it's psycho weird with psycho because that's not the only oscar that i think uh, was, was something of a snub um, I, I think anthony perkins uh he should have won uh my this is why we're friends rory because Perkins is my third favorite performance of all time. Dude, so. he's like top two for me. And I just hesitate to say number one just because I may not be thinking of something. Oh, for <laughs> me, like, it'll I never lo- change. I think that performance is pitch perfect. A hundred thousand percent agree. Like, I, I, every time I watch that movie, I find some different thing I love about that performance. It's he's Perkins is just perfect perfection, as you said. Uh, what were you going to say, yeah. Jack? You were making a face there. No, I, I just wanted to look something up. I just wanted to confirm, like, who all got in at the Oscars for... And Janet Lee um, got in, but he didn't get in, which is... I mean, Janet, yeah. Lee's, Janet Lee's phenomenal in that movie. Don't get me wrong. She should be in there, but, I mean, Anthony Perkins is... Like, he should... Per- was Perkins was lead actor, right? Yeah. Oh, that was... Fucking Lamb- Burt Lamb- Oh, yeah, because Levin, Levin didn't even win, too. Dang. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is a another... Um, Art Carney situation. If Jack Lemon wins the Oscar, I really wouldn't feel fine. as I would be. Uh, yeah, I gets it. Like the apartment is sweeping. That's perfectly fine. But then, like Shirley doesn't win lead, and then he doesn't win lead, and then we have Liz Taylor. I've never seen Butterfield Eight, or maybe I have, and I don't remember call it. But like, I don't know. That's, all right, that's another conversation. The mistakes <laughs> the Oscars have made. Um, but yeah, I mean, we are going to be in a world where Barbie leads nomination morning, I think, and then Oppenheimer will follow right behind, and then I think those two will probably be the I think maybe the only movies in double digits at night. Oh, Killers of the Flower Moon will be in double, double digits, and then... Um, oh, for sure. And I think that it may be like 2019 all over again, where three movies get yeah. over 10 nominations. <laughs> um, and then Barbie leads away. I mean, I, I can... S- I think America Ferrara is in, to be honest with you. SAG will confirm it, but I think she's in. I think she's going to mm-hmm. ride the train. Because she literally, like, we talk about Oscar scenes. How can you, like, watch that movie? And ins- she's the cliche supporting actress nomination that coattails the movies, in my opinion. And I love that people what? think Margot's not getting in. I don't I don't know what no, world. Yeah, <laughs> like, I, I, I didn't even, I, I had that feeling from when I first saw it. I was like, no, like, if Barbie's going to be, like, the as big of a juggernaut as it ends up being, like, there is no way that the titular character does not make it in and on top of that she is extremely good so. what's the name of it's escaping me at the moment but in the holdovers what was the name of the actress Domin- that was like the cook? Div- divine joy divine randolph. joy randolph 
Yeah, she should be winning. Um, I think she's yeah. gonna win the Oscar. I hope so. I I loved her so much. I kept I kept like whispering to Becca while we were watching it. I was like, throw all the Oscars at her right yeah. now. Yeah, there, there's like that, that character like it just kept gutting me, but it felt very real. Like, she's very the up- only. That's probably my favorite performance of the year. If I'm gonna be honest with you, she's the only actress actor so far in the like critic season. That has not lost a supporting actor award. She's won every single one so far. I think she's winning. Deserved. She's she's fan, that that'll be a because I was actually thinking I'm like all right. There's no real front runner. Are they gonna do? Are they gonna just default to like Emily Blunt like they did with Jamie Lee Curtis last year? But now we don't need to do that this year because we have Divine, which is if that's the holdover's representation at the Oscars this year in terms of win, I'd be perfectly happy with that. Fair, yeah, she's phenomenal. Um. But yeah, that's all the news for the week. Let's get into some of the stuff we watched, uh, Mister Renault or Renard for for the for the day. What what do you what do you got for us? Alrighty, so I opened the week. Uh, interesting rewatch for Christmas week. I just threw on Aguirre, The Wrath of God for some reason. Uh, <laughs> that's just a movie that I I don't know. I just love the like tone and kind of just vibe of it. Looks very much just almost like a documentary and you got like water on the lenses and just a really rough looking film. One I just, one of the ones I love to just like look at more than anything. Um, then getting into the more festive movies, uh, I watched meet me in St. Louis, which despite only having one section about Christmas, I still think is a great watch this time of year, specifically with Judy Garland. Absolutely killing her debut of have yourself a merry little Christmas. Um, then I rewatched the great, the best rendition of A Christmas Carol, that being the Muppet, Muppet. Christmas Carol. <laughs> uh, and really, I mean, that movie just all lies on Michael Caine taking his role as, as seriously as he did. Uh, then uh, the family watched The Sound of Music, which was a delight. It was one of a rare time where I actually watched watch a movie on network tv because i was just like oh yeah it's usually on this time of year i looked it up and surely enough it was on that sunday night so i was like let's do it uh i watched both grinches uh i don't don't do the benedict cumberbatch one uh i saw you log that as well dave i I will be talking about that when i get to mine i i I will save my thoughts on the jim carrey one for that because that'll be a fun discussion yeah Uh, but the animated one is a delight it's a classic yeah brief little 30 minutes uh and and boris karloff as the narrator it's fun to have frankenstein narrating your your christmas movie (laughs) uh ran back through the rankin bass specials again during baking always a staple year without a santa claus included the advisor brothers absolute classics dave uh and then finally, uh, for I'll go on and say for the people listening that next week's episode regarding our top movies, I will not be in attendance for. However, I can go on and assure you that Maestro is going to end up very high on that list. I fucking love this movie. I thought Bradley Cooper was phenomenal both in front of and behind the camera. Uh and I was truly amazed with his performance. I have read a lot of like comments about the movie like not being really informative or whatever regarding Leonard Bernstein. And like if you're just coming into it like without any knowledge, then I could definitely see that. But I was in a lucky position that I already knew a decent amount about him, his background, and 
the people around him. So it ended up being a, kind of just like an Easter egg hunt of like, oh, those are the people that wrote the music for Singing in the Rain, and that's the guy who choreographed West Side Story. So it ended up being a really just like engaging movie for me. And I get that people are kind of like dogging on it, but this was just one of those movies that like as soon as it was announced, I was like, this is a Jack movie. There's <laughs> little chance that I will go low on this and I was happy that I was able to deliver to my expectation to my hopes and expectations. And at the very least, I'm glad that a new group of people are gonna now know about Leonard Bernstein and on the town. So I'm glad I know you well enough by this point that I knew I mean this is gonna yeah, be yeah. like catnip and, for you. And, and I mean the the component like the conductor classical music part of it all was just like there. But like West Side Story and On the Town are not only two of my favorite musical movies ever, but just two of my favorite movies movies ever. I adore both of them, and Bernstein Bernstein's music is a massive reason why. So awesome. Are you are I, you like really into like musicals? Like are you? Oh yeah, no, okay. and and it's funny because I, I actually attribute a lot of that to La La Land. Uh, that was yeah, like, okay. and, and then I that was when I I read about like his influences, and that was. Like I'd seen La La Land, and then two days later, Debbie Reynolds had passed away. So then I was like, "Well, singing in the rain, like now's the time." Uh, it's a great all, movie, right? And, oh no, it's it's in my top five. And then it all oh. just it it all just started from there. And yeah, that was when I went down the Fred Astaire, Gene Kelly pipeline, and just really started to get myself into those musicals. And well, that's great. A lot of the people involved with those were mentioned in Maestro, so I was really sick. I'm also a big fan of musicals, just for the record. So mm-hmm. one of these one of these episodes, we'll just start throwing them out there. <laughs> <laughs> what on, about on the t- on the town turns seventy five next year? I think <laughs> forty nine. Um, so we got we we got there, there, plenty of room there. The <laughs> seventy five years young. All right, Rory. Do you have anything you want to highlight? Um. Yeah, we uh, we saw. The boy and the heron. Did you see that? I didn't like it. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> like I, I did. Like I, I before you, before you, my my exact description of it is: I'm glad I got to watch Danny DeVito and Bird cosplay in a game of Jenga. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, it, it felt like a like a weird fever dream, mm-hmm. but like I, I I enjoyed it. Like I'm, you know, I walked out pretty fulfilled with it. I guess. Um. I saw. Did you guys see Saltburn? I love mm-hmm. Saltburn. Me too. I, I had such a great experience with that movie. The last time I had something like this happen, I believe, was Midsummer, which I also really love that movie. But my theater was packed, and I could just hear people squirming and groaning. I heard somebody go "bleh," and I was like, "I love this movie" because it was like <laughs> making people react. And like Midsummer did that as well. So Saltburn, very high on my list of movies right now. Because, again, it's not like a movie that I could recommend to everybody. Mm-hmm. Like, I could see people being very off-put by it, but mm-hmm. I was just like, man, like, that was refreshing. And I like that director a lot, too. Yeah, Emma she's, Fennell, she's really good. Um, we saw, oh, <laughs> I had this on my list. Uh, it was a, a separate little category of movies. It's called the uh, Let's Just Get This Over With list. <laughs> um, and I had the Hunger Games on there because I didn't <laughs> have a huge interest in seeing it because i liked the first one 
and I love the second one. Yes. And then I felt yeah. like it significantly dropped off following mm -hmm. that. Agreed. So I saw this one and I'm like, okay, like let's just let's just do this. So the the ballad and, of so the ballad of songbirds and snakes. Yep. Yeah. Okay. And um, Tom Blythe is that his name? I think mm -hmm. is mesmerizing in that movie. I concur. Like, I like this a lot. Yeah. I I feel bad though because like the first and the second act it had me. And then it was like they hit fast forward on the third act or something because they mm -hmm. just started like rushing real quick to the end. And I'm like, no, 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 let it breathe. Stop, stop, you're ruining it. It felt but like the, the ending was rushed. It felt like we that, knew. I thought it was really enjoyable. The third act felt like we were not going to be able to adapt this into a second movie. We got to get this book done because of, yeah. uh, <laughs> from people that I spoke guys. to that, because I really liked it too, except the third act issues that you had. Um, but mm -hmm. some of the people that I spoke to that read the book, they basically said the same thing. They're like, they just needed to get to the end that the way the movie ends is exactly pretty much uh how the book ends so yeah. um but i'm glad you that liked actor, it though man he was he he was so much fun to watch like i really i really like tom blythe a lot i hope he's in like a lot of stuff coming up all right um yeah. for me more rewatches this week because my last week of work i only had one year release so um I saw Arthur Christmas for the first time. Unfortunately, I did not like it too much. I thought it was, okay. I thought it was okay. That is, yeah, I, you told me that. That is that is not a, an Ardman Hill. I expect you to die on. So right, you're, you're you're excused for that one. Um, Elf is still amazing. I love it. Uh, very rare for Will Ferrell, but like I love that movie. Nightmare Before Christmas, still great. Twelve Dates of Christmas, another like quote. Poor, this one's a poor man's uh, Hallmark movie with Mar uh, Mar Paul Gosler. And Amy Smart, uh, I had a delightful time with it. Uh, I saw Home Alone one, Home Alone two, still perfection. Uh, listen, Home Alone two. I, I say this every time, every year I watch this movie. But would you really be friends with that bird lady? And why are you giving her a gift? You don't even know her. Oh, I would. <laughs> like if I knew she won an Oscar I mean, like a few years say, before. After, and after, we... she, after she took wait yeah after she took me into like what like the top of like Carnegie Hall or something I was gonna say like yeah this is sick you deserve a little a little trinket. All right, then, then, uh, you know what? <laughs> I'm gonna say this, Dave. Um, at some point when the birds happens, you're gonna want her around. That is true. That yeah. is true. Well done. Yeah, feed well done. feed the birds, Dave. <laughs> oh, that is true. But yeah, like I I love the first one. Second one has a special. It's a very special spot for me because of like it's literally right next to me and I pass those locations on the regular when I go to screening so um, Home Alone 3 I did see because I saw a clip on Twitter trending this week about Roger Eber our friend Raj who I will be mentioning a little later too about the movie we're going to cover um, he said Roger Eber says Home Alone 3 is the best Home Alone Roger oh Ebert man I mean the thing is like 10 year old me would have agreed with him Ro but Home in Alone. retrospect, I was t ironically you say that, but I was eleven when Home Alone three came out, and I hated it as an eleven year old. Like that movie See, I, sucks. I watched them. I watched them all like <laughs> like one after. Not to mention like when you're eleven, like one of the key metrics in the Home Alone movies are the traps. Mm -hmm. So. <laughs> The Home Alone three traps were. I remember those being just like absolutely insane. But like Home in terms of like the traps, if we're just going by those, Home Alone two. Home I mean, Alone two, yeah. You're literally All just throwing bricks at it. So violent. Assault. Um. What else? I saw. It's all... like, it gets electrocuted at one point. <laughs> it's 
it's like you can see his skeleton. Yeah. And I always I always complain about movies that should not be over two hours. This always fits. The movie's two hours and like eight minutes, and I'm like, yeah, sure, why not? Wait, Hobo, wait, Hobo and Two is two hours. Yeah. Oh my god, I forgot about that. Jeez. As it is a hundred and twenty minutes on the dot, actually. So two hours. Oh, on two the dot. hours exactly. Okay. Um, I saw a, a rare TCML for me. I saw Christmas in Connecticut, and I didn't really like it as much as I see a lot of people do. It's okay. Um, I saw all the Santa Clauses. Santa Claus 1 is still like a banger to me. I absolutely adore that movie. Uh, Santa Claus 2 and 3 or whatever. Uh, I'll talk about these a little later, but I saw A Christmas Story 2 and A Christmas Story Christmas. The end of A Christmas Story Christmas is just like a tearjerker because of what it leads into. Um it's pretty perfect of an ending. And then I'll finish off with uh I saw Aquaman, uh the new Aquaman. Listen, is it as bad as everyone expected it to be? I don't think so. Um I think if you like the first one, I think this is just it's fine. Like I'm I think I'm like two and a half, three on it. There's really nothing like special about it. But it's certainly not as bad as I expected it. I, I walked into my it's actually a very sad feeling it was like you knew like you you felt like you were walking into a screening of a funeral <laughs> because like i've never been in the three four years now that i've been going to press screenings i've never seen a comic book movie that empty i would say we didn't get the imax we didn't get the dobie we got a regular theater for a comic book movie which is doesn't happen and two it was about 25 people there only it was like, oh, yeah, it was, it was, it was a downer. Um, but yeah, I mean, it fits the mold of DC and yeah, that's pretty much all I got on that. And then finally, since Jack brought it up, I saw Jim Carrey's the Grinch. Um, this movie fucking sucks, dude. Okay. Okay. <laughs> this movie fucking sucks. Jim Carrey's phenomenal. This movie fucking thank, sucks. Thank you. Yeah. The production. Say, Jim did... Carrey... Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, Jim Carrey is like the, the body and weight of this movie like I, I gave it like three and a half stars like it would probably be like two stars but jim carrey like does so much and i cannot see anybody else like doing we, like a live action a live action grinch we know that you obviously you're not going to make a live action movie adaptation it's going to be 30 minutes i got it we know it's going to be longer this movie should not be 104 minutes 80 minutes in and out we're done. There's so much fucking filler. Like at the beginning, where um, Cindy Lou who is in the mail room for like 20 minutes. Like, do we need that? Do we? There's so. And then um, the Grinch's origin story. Do we need that? Like the R.I.P. to the boy from Passions. Like I, I, I got <laughs> like dude, it's so obnoxiously long. I, I don't know, man. I, I like that Cindy Lou who went on to star in Gossip Girl, and I do love Gossip Girl. And uh, I do like the Faith Hill song at the end, and then Jim Carrey. Mm-hmm. But this movie is and the fact the fact it was either directed or produced by Ron Howard is really funny to me. So and the movie <laughs> it's actually a movie I tend to rewatch every year, thinking that my opinion's going to change. And by the time I get to the end, I'm like, oh fuck, I did it! It See, got me again. It got me it, again. It, it it's it, it might be like bad, but it is probably one of the most like consumable bad movies that like I could probably think of. Because like it is. Pretty rewatchable, and again, all on the all on the strength of Jim Carrey. And then, of course, I'll be watching more Christmas Story on the twenty fifth, and then uh, yeah, I was my... gonna say you, 
you, we do the podcast. It's like, all right, now you're gonna go watch it twelve times. My third, <laughs> my you'll have you'll have a whole new wave of thoughts. My third uh, favorite Christmas Carol will be on deck today. Uh, the Flintstones Christmas Carol. I adore, it. <laughs> I yeah. absolutely adore that one. And I and Christmas with the Cranks and the Polar Express. Those are the the big ones left that I have. Because I, I you talk about bad movies that's easily consumable. I adore Christmas with the Cranks. I think that movie is so hilariously bad. It's so so funny. I have a good time with it. But yeah, that wraps everything I watch. Let's get into what I have one more I have one more yeah, movie yeah. to tack on. I forgot to tell you guys. Go for it. I don't know if you guys got around to watching this or not, but um my uh in, in my area, um some of my friends they have like this uh thing called NEPA Horror Fest, if you ever want to look it up. They bring in like guests and they do screenings for different movies. Um but they showed Silent Night, Deadly Night. You um see that movie, Jack. I know you have no, yeah. I, I, I have not, no. It's no, so I, my, my good. Christmas horror, my Christmas horror slate is pretty barren. I have to admit, Jack, not, 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 not typically the genre I associate with the holiday season. I think I mentioned that last week. Save Gremlins. Silent Night, Deadly Night is a fucking gem, absolute you gem. Know, Dave, you know what's like kind of crazy about it is that when I when I saw it as a like as a kid, I probably shouldn't have seen it as a kid, but I did. Um, it definitely kind of felt like trash, and that's kind of what it was. Um, but after rewatching it, I'm like, oh, this movie is kind of about trauma and like generational trauma. I'm like, they were actually trying to do something with that movie. And it kind of got lost in like a lot of the stuff that they expected to be in movies from like the 80s, like the early 80s slasher movies. It but, figures like, like an, an 80s movie that peep has a strong theme. Society, Silent Night, Deadly Night. It's like right on brand. <laughs> it's 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 not... The worst thing to watch, Jack. You might like it. <laughs> oh no, I I want to check it out. It's and then good. and then you watch the second one and a remake. I was it. gonna say I don't know how deep into the franchise I'll get. So do they, you should watch the first one, Jack. Do the yeah, <laughs> do the. I I always start with the first. That that's what I do with the horror franchises. I start with the first and then I I might go to the sequel and if it's from there then I'll keep going. And then in the case of Friday the Thirteenth, I do. The first, and then David. David's like, "All right, we're talking about the ninth one on the podcast." <laughs> <laughs> you do the first one, and then you do the second part just to see garbage day, and <laughs> then see the actual killer of the franchise. And then don't let yourself leave this planet until you see that scene, Jack. Yeah, just you could even just you don't even watch part two. Just go look up garbage day on YouTube, and then so funny. And then um, go straight to the fifth one. Okay. The one with Mickey Rooney. The one with Mickey Rooney. That should dude. I don't know what cocaine they were on for that movie, but it was on. It was something. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I like five. I actually do like five. But um, but yeah. Speaking of horror Christmas movies, that takes us to why we're here today. Uh, a Christmas story. Bob Clark's A Christmas Story. Which the reason I bring up horror Christmas movies is because. Mr. Bob Clark directed one of my favorite horror Christmas movies of all time, Black Christmas. So that is a one of my favorite tidbits ever. Um, I'll get into Bob Clark completely in a second, but first view of a Christmas story. I'll start off this time because, I mean, mine's probably a, how a lot of people started it. Uh, it was like 95, 96, TNT, TBS, 24 Hours of Christmas Story. It is the most watched movie. I think I've seen. It's not completely logged on Letterbox this many times. I think I've seen this movie over a hundred times at this point. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's a movie I completely 
am enamored with. Everything about this movie works for me. It's funny. It's charming. There's so much heart and emotion in this movie. Um, it has some of my favorite one-liners ever. Yeah, this movie just does everything for me. I I am. I've found this year there's some people that don't like it, and it just flabbergasts me because I absolutely adore this movie. It's a five five out of five like banger for me. Jack, what about you? First time watching a Christmas story. It was pr- not the same year, but probably about the same age. It was around like second, third grade, so I was eight or nine, uh, and I. It was either the DVD or it was on TBS, but I just remember watching it, and I immediately related to Ralphie, just because, you know, when you're a kid and you have that gift you really want, it can become a a pillage of sorts to get it to happen, but yeah, no, I fell in love with it then. I put insane mileage on it in the year since. Um, As such, I haven't come back to it as much in recent years because of having watched it so many times, it essentially just got to a point where I'd go to TBS and tune it on for like 30 minutes when like trying to take a break from family Christmas and so on. Um, but no, um, I still love it. I'd say that it hovers probably around like that fourth spot on my Christmas Mount Rush on my Christmas movie, Mount Rushmore, uh, kind of interchangeable. So we'll see where this discussion goes. It might solidify the spot. Yeah. Cause I mean, I before we go to Rory, like it's a wonderful life is always going to be number two to me because it's mm-hmm. not like I've always said, it's not a Christmas movie. So, yeah, like, yeah. we talk about Die Hard. It's a Wonderful Life is just a, one of the greatest movies ever made, not essentially a Christmas movie. Uh, and we get to talk about that movie in about two and a half years. So that should be a, <laughs> be a fun one. Rory, what about you? First time watching A Christmas Story. Um, I don't really remember the first time I saw it. it. It was definitely one of those movies that was always just, like, on during Christmas, you know? Um, I remember when I first saw it, though, like, I really... Like I really liked watching it. Like it had a very like um like 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 sort of like fun vibe to it. But I didn't really start appreciating it until like I grew up a little bit. Because there's a lot of little and we'll, I'll probably bring them up a lot when we're talking about the movie. But there's a lot of like little details in this movie that feel so like authentic and just like stuff that I I feel like I may have lived through as a child. <laughs> but um yeah, I, I don't really remember my very first time seeing it i wish i did but again it's just always on television when i was a kid for sure very boring answer for me no not at all so bob clark um is one of the most unique directors maybe like ever because Mm -hmm. of like the array of movies he directed so he, this man directed Black Christmas in 1974, which Rory and I have talked off the line. It's one of the best horror holiday movies ever. Just like an essential 70s horror classic. But this man also directed in 1981 one of the biggest, I would say, Bill Simmons classics, Porky's. <laughs> he also directed Porky's 2. So he banged out Porky's Porky's 2, then followed it, followed that up with a Christmas story. But what he follows up a Christmas story with is probably more interesting than what he did Porky's and Porky's 2. My man, Bob Clark, in 1984, directed a movie starring Sylvester Stallone and Dolly Parton <laughs> called Rhinestone. Yeah. Hmm? <laughs> Which is terrible. Which is which is an interesting pairing. Yeah. And then um, 
the last one, he directed the known zero percent on Rotten Tomatoes baby geniuses, and he <laughs> also directed uh, the sequel to A Christmas Story in 1994 called My Summer Story, starring Romulus himself, Kieran Culkin, as Ralphie. And Mary Steenburgen played Mrs. Parker, and Charles Grodin played the old man. Just like an array of like, not even uneven, just like different genres just diving in and doing a whole bunch kind, of kind stuff of, kind of reminds me of like early zemeckis yeah yeah you would like kind of hop back and forth between like a lot of different things the rhinestone pool was just like man this guy directed rhinestone. <laughs> like you when you get a chance just look at the poster of rhinestone it's just like wild <laughs> but yeah so the screenplay for a christmas story is based on material from gene shepherd's collection of short stories and god we trust all of this pay cash and i, I think jack just found the poster i did find the poster <laughs> Yeah, that is that is an incredible image. Uh, three of the semi autobiographical short autobiographical say say that four times, five times in a row, were based on originally published Playboy magazine articles from 1964 to 1966. Uh, Bob Clark has stated in a DVD commentary that he became interested in Shepard's work when he heard Flick's tongue on the radio in 1968. Additional source material for the film, according to Clark, came from unpublished antidotes that Shepard told live audiences on the college circuit. Um, Clark also stated in a, in a DVD commentary that both he and author Sh- and Shepard wished for the film to be seen as late 30s, early 40s. Remind me a lot of Batman 89 because you never really know what year Batman 1989 takes place. It just feels like timeless Art Deco type of vibe. And I feel like mm-hmm. this movie, mm-hmm. you can kind of gauge, but it's very, because there's very, yeah. there's a lot of hints throughout the movie. But I feel like that's what makes the movie work for me a lot is that there's a lot of timelessness to it. Um, the movie also takes place in Cleveland, and it was chosen because of the Higby's department store in downtown Cleveland. Um, yeah, in terms of the Maestro's Corner to this movie, this I like this score a lot. It was composed by Paul Zaza and Carl Zip. Zip Zitterer, I guess that's how you pronounce it. Um, Zitterer. Yeah. I like the score a lot. There's a lot of tones in the movie, especially like I love the opening of the movie as it transitions into Higby's and him seeing the Red Rider BB gun for the first time. And I really love the uh, when he finds the gun at the end and also the uh, him talking about it being the greatest pr- Christmas present that he ever received literally to roll to the credits uh love the score of the movie uh jack what do you got yeah uh same thing i I always forget how good it is uh the you've said it the opening bells into the deck the halls variation at the beginning are great along with um just all the music that they're playing like kind of that whole like not parade but just like downtown cleveland like when they're at higby's uh and then you have the original music, which <laughs> I have written down. It's goofy as hell in the best of ways. Um, like the like the bumpus hound music, like it's just so <laughs> like, comical <laughs> to me. <laughs> and like, and then even other like polls, like Peter and the Wolf being used for uh, like the Scott Farkas interactions, essentially. Um, another shout out to Leonard Bernstein. <laughs> that was where I first heard it. Um, but no, yeah, I think the score is really good, and 
kind of underrated because I kind of like it's not one that I would say is like noteworthy to the same extent of like other scores, but it, it really works in the movie. What about you, Rory? Thoughts on the score? Um, I, I'm a huge fan of scores that just completely um, put together like a, like the proper mood, but doesn't always draw too much attention to itself. You know, what I mean, like it gets the proper emotions from you, um, but it's not like you know overbearing or anything or taking over the movie. So I think it's just like it's spot on, like because it, it does feel like Christmas. It has like that that um, like some of the music, like when he when he comes home and he's blind and there's a <laughs> fantasy getting the soap. It's so like dramatic and silly and stuff, and it's just it's so perfect. Like I, I just feel like they knocked it out of the park with that score. Yeah, I totally agree there. In terms of the box office, the movie released on November 18, nineteen eighty three, with a budget of three point three and gross nineteen point two million dollars. We've done nineteen eighty three a few times here, but um, Rory has not. So, do you want to take a guess, Rory, what the highest grossing movie of nineteen eighty three was? I have the top ten here. Was it Return of the Jedi? It is Return of the Jedi. Yeah. Number two is the big, would probably surprise you, though. <laughs> it, I'll, I'll put it this way. If it gives you a little bit of a, a hint, a movie like this, one, probably would engross $50 million today, and yeah. two, would probably go direct to streaming. Do you need uh, me to guess this? This is also nominated for Best Picture. Oh, boy. Um, I don't know. What was it? Tootsie. Okay. I love Tootsie. Wait, what? Ter- ter- terms of Endearment. For 1982? Or 1983? I have... Tootsie was 82. Oh, interesting. That I wonder why it's here. So I'm on IMDb right now. I mean, I'm box well, ter- yeah, no, Terms of Endearment is literally even more correct with that statement. Because, yes, it would not be the second highest grossing of no, this year. Yeah. And, it would, and, and it would have gone straight to Netflix. <laughs> interesting. So uh, Box Office Mojo once again showing how inept of a website it is because it has Tootsie here. Listen, <laughs> in Wikipedia, we trust. <laughs> so, F- Flash Dance, I have at three. Trading Place is four. War Games, five. Octopussy, six. Staying Alive, seven. A special one for Jack. Risky Business at eight. Um, <laughs> Mr. Mom at nine. And Vacation at ten. Shout out to Superman, three at 11, by the way. Wow, dang, it didn't even crack the top 10? Yep. Oh. And it, shout out to E.T. still making $44 million in 1983. Oh uh, still being able to finish at number 16 for the year. So, that is, yeah. That is gross. Shout out for that. <laughs> and uh, shout out to Snow White and the Seven Dwarves finishing at 24 with a re-release at $30 million. Ah, uh, yes, the Disney vault. <laughs> the good old days. Um. But yeah, the movie didn't gross. It's still nineteen point two on a three million dollar budget. At that time, it was pretty successful. Eighty nine percent on Rotten Tomatoes as we head into the trophy room, where our boy Roger Ebert, oh Raj, although he <laughs> gave it three out of four stars, he later gave the film four stars. He, it's one of the I fucked up the first time Raj moments where he had to go back and he had to do that a lot. <laughs> yeah, he did that with two thousand one, right? The Shining. No, not 2001, no. Uh, I don't know about The Shining. I think Godfather 2 actually might have been a case of that. Yes, it was. Dave. Godfather 2 yeah. was. Yeah. Uh, Didn't uh, 2001 is... back get a little bit of a ding on it? I feel like that wasn't as high as like the... Maybe. Not as, it, not as it became, I, no. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I know his big reverse 
I'm trying to because I know the movies that he like went sure. high on and then felt like the graduate he that he fell back on later in life, which his points for so were reasonable. Uh, but no, I also think like for this in this case, like you know, maybe like more rewatches and like I don't know. I'm I'm pretty sure like I'm I'm not sure when he, I, I I watched the documentary. I'm not sure when exactly it was he got married, but I don't know. Like maybe he had a family like later That's in true. life, and maybe maybe that attributed to it. So the I, I I'll also say though that like some of my favorite movies um were not my favorite movie the first time I saw it. Yeah, no. Sometimes I'm... I think certain movies need a couple of viewings. Um, the one that jumps to mind honestly is Vertigo. Vertigo is in like my oh. top favorite films yeah. of all time. You know, what I mean, like I, like like top three easily, and you know, the first time I saw it, I was like, I liked it, and then I was like, mm, maybe I should watch it. The second time I saw it, I was like, I really liked it, and by the third one, I'm like, I'm obsessed with this I, movie. I didn't get through it the first time, and now, oh. like Dave knows, this is one of my favorite movies ever. Like, yeah, like I think rewatches are so key. Yeah, yeah. That was me with 2001. I I didn't I didn't even like it at first. I saw it in high school, and then boom, like now it's. Know one of the best ever um i always like looking for random award shows when i do these little trophy yeah. room sections so in canada the film would go on to win two categories at the genie awards uh it won best director and best original screenplay so shout out to that on uh in 2007 ao ranked it as the number one christmas movie of all time ign ranked it as the top holiday theme movie of all time in twenty in 2012 a maris poll named the film the best holiday movie in history in 2019 a poll commissioned by tubi also ranked it as the greatest holiday movie of all time uh christmas story received a nomination for best digital comedy and won best digital animation family at the 20 23 golden trailer awards i'm not sure if it was for the re-release that just happened uh Turner Broadcasting maintained ownership of the broadcast rights in the mid-90s and continue to be doing the um, 24 Hours of Christmas Story. Originally, it only aired eight times over four days and then changed over since. It ranks... This is, like, interesting, especially... In, I always... I know that ratings are not the biggest. They still are important, but not as important as they used to be. So... To give you an example, it remains the highest rated anything that TNT and TBS do yearly. In 2002, 38.4 million people tuned in to the marathon at one point or another. In 2006, it went up to 45.5 million. million. Um, in 2009, two, the movie was shown 250 times. Since then, the movie continues to average a a growth of two percent in viewership every year. Um, essentially, it continues to be at least not just the highest grossing of TBS or TNT, but continues to be in the top twenty-five broadcast on anything that's played within uh, cable or network television on Christmas Day. It's, it, I mean. People wonder, and people that don't like the movie wonder why it continues to... If people don't want to watch it anymore, they wouldn't watch it anymore. And it shows by the ratings. Um, all right, fellas. Mr. Renault, what's age the best? All right. Uh, well, you kind of... Well, actually, I'll just start with that. Uh, TV reappraisals 
Uh, we've seen this play out for like this Shawshank Redemption. Uh, I think this is probably one of the most significant cases of it. Uh, the period choice also, I think it works well. And like, like you said, not sticking to one specific like time frame or specifically disclosing it. Uh, John Shepard's narration. Gene. I think that's stuck. Oh, it's Gene. Okay. That, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's so much for this movie. Mm-hmm. Honestly. Uh, I think it really is just key for kind of understanding Ralphie and like, as we go on, it makes all of his interact, all of Ralphie's interactions so much more like funny and enjoyable. Uh, Speaking of only getting better, just everything with the old man just gets better with age. Uh, one of my favorite characters. This one is unfortunately relatable. Hyping up your academic performance only to be let down. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, granted, I'm not. I, I, granted, I wish I could be writing papers about what I want for Christmas rather than what I do, but it. All, nonetheless, it is certainly upsetting, and the the leg lamp also. I mean, I don't know why it took. I, I don't know why it took me this long, but the fact it's in such a huge crate is just now hilarious to me. I mean, um, that's actually aged, it's not on my list, but that's actually aged really well because no one packages small shit in big boxes more than fucking Amazon. Yeah. Like, yesterday. <laughs> so funny, funny story. Yesterday. Um, HQ's Polar Express book uh, delivered, right? And then I go, mm-hmm. I go to the mirror room to pick it up, and it's in a box that should fit like four or five boxes of toys, and it's just like <laughs> one little book in there. So, <laughs> at least the Fragili box still fits. Uh, let's see, <laughs> Casual Outlet Splitter Fire Hazard. <laughs> I, it, it, I, it's, it's granted, it's become much more clean. Then it is with them and have like cords come out of every little angle. That's what really funny. Peter Billingsley That's one of and my Chris. Favorite thing too. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Because I, I'm pretty sure my dad operated that way. My mom, did. <laughs> my mom definitely plugs did. into plugs, and it's like a labyrinth of plugs. <laughs> uh, P- Peter Billingsley and Christmas movies. Speaking of Elf, Elf. Dave. Uh, yeah, I, I, I did not realize that until like two years ago, and I thought it was so cool when I found out. Scott Farkas uh, is in a very a 2003 horror movie too, a very popular horror movie called Freddy vs. Jason. Oh wow! <laughs> and then the last thing I was gonna say, the name Scott Farkas. <laughs> First off, being named Scott, not Scott, but Scott. And then the last name Farkas, like man, perfect. <laughs> and then you got the freaking Daniel Boone head on top, the hat on top of that, like. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what do you got here, Rory? For what's aged the best? Yeah, um, definitely the comedy. It's it's a weird instance where it's literally for everyone. Do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it has like it's such a, a a range of comedy in that in that movie. Um, I think the the attention to detail as far as how childhood works. Yeah, is hundred percent funny. Um, that thing you said before, Jack, about the, but the thing about thinking you're gonna excel academically mm-hmm. you know, like I, I remember when i was a little kid i actually had a moment like that where i felt like i was gonna i wrote this paper that my teacher was gonna have some weird emotional reaction to and <laughs> yeah you know, it could be better um but yeah I, I think the attention to uh family life family dynamics the comedy um just that direction is is really jumps out at me like it's everything's just played very very perfectly in my opinion so i concur uh 
For me, 24 Hours of a Christmas Story, we talked about already. Parents bundling up a kid during winter. I know. <laughs> I, I've been Randy. I am Randy. Uh, shout out to shout out to, to to Jen because she literally bundled up HQ like that the other day, and I found it, and I, and I had to grab a picture of uh, of of Randy and send it to her. Uh, Gene Shepard narration. Shout out to Carousel of Progress in Walt Disney World because he also, he's also the narrator of the Carousel of Progress, oh, which wow. is my fav one of my favorite attractions ever. Uh, and if if Jack ever gets to it, it'll probably be one of his. It's there's nothing about Carousel of Progress that doesn't like s- scream Renault. And Roy, have La- you ever la- done last, it? Last. Oh. What was that? Have you ever been on been to Disney? No. Okay. I've not. If you ever get to a Carousel of Progress, is it? For, I think that would. Yeah. As you last, as a, last time I went, Great Movie Ride was still running, oh, so, okay. it, so it, it's, it's been ago. a bit. Um, yeah. <laughs> gibberish movie profanity. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I, I yeah. Well, like, it's kind of this. I had fudge written down in parentheses, but I guess you could throw that in there too. That definitely <laughs> counts. Major awards, leg lamps. You got so this. I, I mentioned like the major award. I mentioned line delivery. There's not one do- one bit of line delivery that makes me laugh more than when the um, when sh- when the mother breaks the lamp because I do think she breaks the lamp, um, and he couldn't muster anything else but the way he, he delivers not a finger. It's so yeah. fucking funny. <laughs> uh, telling annoying people in line to fuck off. That stupid fucking kid that kept trying yeah. to talk to Ralphie. I've been there, especially at Comic-Con, when people just yeah. try to talk to you, and I don't want to talk to anybody. And then you see Ralphie's face, and that's my face. And then he's he's like, I like the Wizard of, like Oz. The Wizard of Oz. And Ralphie's yeah. like, he's like, don't bother me. I'm thinking. <laughs> yeah, that's that line made me laugh so hard last night. It's so funny. <laughs> Because it's thinking. so true, and I think you, it goes to what you were saying, Rory. It kind of hits adult and children because, like, I hate being bought. If I want to talk, I, I'm a very outgoing person online. Don't get me wrong, but if I don't want to talk to you, I have a resting bitch face. I don't. Don't fucking talk to me. Just leave me alone. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Disappointing. In my notes, it says uh, which scene. Don't bother me. I'm. I'm thinking. <laughs> it's so funny. Uh, disappointing Christmas gifts. While we have the outcome of the movie. Who doesn't have a pink bunny suit type of story with Christmas gifts? We all have one. I was gonna say, granted, if someone got me that like in two days, I would probably oh, wear yeah, it that unironically because yeah, now true. I get the reference on my back. Uh. And then finally, I'm surprised you guys didn't mention what's age the best shooting your eye out. At the end of the day, everyone was right. The mother yeah, was right. No, the teacher, that is... <laughs> the teacher was right. Um, what age they were the... both right? They were, they were yeah, they were all right because he he almost shot his eye out. That is true. He just shot his glasses so, out. Yeah, so it, they, they uh, everybody was kind of correct. <laughs> What's age the worst? Uh, I don't have that much here, but I have Ovaltine because Ovaltine. Is I I had that too. Gross. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that we talked about like the movie being fairly timeless. I still like. I guess it's like some kind of like chocolate milk, but still, like I I found that out like a couple weeks ago. I was always just like, "What the hell is that?" Like, sounds like some medicine. Sounds like a medicine. Which coincide with another line delivery I love. He's like, "Be be sure to drink to your, your Ovaltine, a crummy commercial, son of a bitch." It's like <laughs> fucking perfect. Um, writing a paper instead of typing. 
Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Also, shitty teacher for giving Ralphie a C for his choice of gift, not the quality of the paper itself. That, you really that, don't yeah. know what the yeah. quality of the paper actually was. So just giving him a C because he wanted a BB gun is kind of dick. I, I don't I don't remember. Were there like were there other markings for like punctuation no, or like literally okay, just well, like damn, you'll shoot your eye out. Yeah, she just doesn't agree with his choice of gift. So that's uh, not uh, fair. Another line delivery, uh, which coincides with being excited for a Zeppelin as a Christmas gift. <laughs> Randy's like, "Whoopee! It's a Zeppelin!" I'm like, "Oh, yeah, God, like, kid. like y'all knew what that y'all knew what those were." <laughs> and finally, for me, um, red cabbage, that gross. And as someone that's a meatloaf connoisseur, because I love meatloaf, the fact that they make meatloaf meatloaf look terrible in this movie is definitely aids the worst because meatloaf should never look terrible and i love meatloaf uh and that's what i got uh jack what do you got all right uh well this maybe isn't so much true this year but i would say that in the years since it presumably took place what's aged the worst being excited for bears games uh <laughs> um, coming from you specifically just like I, I well that was one of the things like i before i got into football like i knew like the surface level truths tom brady's the goat all that kind of stuff you know and the bears was kind of like one of the things so i had a little chuckle over that i had written higby's department store yeah. but then i've just broached i branched off and just said window shopping for that matter uh and it's sad because like like I, I have this. There's this huge mall in my area that like used to always be like huge, and like Black Friday, I know too. And like I went there for Black Friday just to like see like what Blu-rays were available. It was insanely dead, and I was just like, dang, man. I will say the only I, I agree with you, Jack. The only thing I add about the window shopping, the only thing that remains prevalent window shopping is Macy's because the window shopping yeah. in Macy's here in New York is still I was, like I was gonna say that's also like New York Macy's which like that is an icon of a place mm -hmm. um, I also had Ovaltine written down uh, <laughs> Grover Dill dressing like an extra from the departed <laughs> I, I don't I, I like I've always thought that as a like he looks like like age him like twenty five years, like he literally is dressed like, like like a grunt for like some like <laughs> mafia member. And I'm like, oh, that's a good one. That's a really uh, good one. And then the only like actual kind of just like huh thing I have about the movie, did Mrs. Parker just never hear her husband cuss like ever, and like never once floated the idea that like maybe I heard it from the guy who. Cusses up a storm each morning when he fights the furnace. I mean, Schwartz's mother even is like she probably he probably heard yeah, it from yeah, his exactly. father. <laughs> and, she, and she's just like, no, like how could you like suggest that? And I'm just like, eh. <laughs> but no, that's the only like little thing that I was I, I was always kind of like huh about. But no, this movie is pretty hard to take legitimate digs at. All right, Rory, what about you? Do you have anything that's age the worst? Um, I also had Ovaltine written down. <laughs> yeah, we, there is we that, just did. Did you guys that have, like, of like, what is Ovaltine again? <laughs> so Ovaltine was around when I was a kid. I was going to ask. I was like, was that like, was that still a thing? Or was that like, did that die out like in the 60s or something? And was like a really like, I've never make had. Make it easier to date. I've never there's had. A, there's Ovaltine? a dedicated group out there of Ovaltine. <laughs> 
Yeah, they're out there. It's like the same people um, that drink root beer. Like you are in a special place of hey, hell. Hey, hey, hey now. Root beer hey is now. disgusting. <laughs> Absolute gross. A and W out of the barrel goes hard, but I digress. <laughs> <laughs> the the only thing at the end of the movie that I could see somebody like cocking an eyebrow to doesn't bother me any, but is just maybe the uh, the the Chinese restaurant. Scene. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot about um, that. I could see somebody watching that and being like, "Well, I'm going onto my Twitter and I'm yeah. getting this movie canceled." That's about right. But, but like you know, I I understand what they're going for in the spirit of it so it doesn't bother me any but i'm thinking about uh people out there no i I, I, I could i could throw that in what's age the best too saying fuck it we're going out to dinner christmas yeah christmas going i actually used to do that a lot used to go out for christmas uh dinner uh all right the joe spinell that guy award um i'm not I'm not going to go first because I don't want to be embarrassed with who I have. So, Jack, what do you got? I just had Peter Billingsley. Okay. Really, it's like this and Elf for me. And I just got, like I've said for some movie recently, I just go back and forth between those two movies when I watch each, when I watch the other. Because you, the other other option before I go to Rory, it's probably Darren McGavin, right? Yeah, I like The Natural. Uh, and he's always, it's the old man from A Christmas Story. Yeah. Uh, Rory, do you have anyone different here? I do. Oh, great. Yeah, I have uh, Bob Clark as the major award guy. It's a major award. Wait. Award. Wait, that's Bob yeah. Clark? Oh, the delivery guy? That's Bob oh, Clark. Yeah. oh, oh the shit. Guy on the that, street? Yeah, oh, that's, that's the winner. <laughs> that's the winner. That's good. That's that, really that, good. By the way, that delivery from him is like one of my favorite parts of the movie, and I hear it in my head probably about twice a week. <laughs> major award. I don't know. Um, Makes that, me laugh. That's a good one. So for Al Martino miscast award, I kind of think this movie's pretty perfectly cast for the uh, era. We we've had this we've had this issue with a lot of movies we've talked about recently, recently where yeah. it's it's just a lot of like small kind of like people where I feel like people we would miss we would recast. It wouldn't um, work. Although I will say, and I guess, I mean, I, I'll save the names for when we talk about them later. But there were a couple names that were also mentioned. Oh, uh, yeah, I have them. Which, which if later. they wanted to throw them in in one of the Schwartz flick characters, I, I would have been fine with that. I'm sure they would have. It would be a nice. It'd be a nice little like, oh, they did that before they had like the movie that made them like the smash, like would come a bit longer. I agree. Uh, Rory, do you have anyone here? You're on the same boat as us. Yeah. Um. I said this sometimes when we record frequels episodes. If the movie is too perfect, if it's too good, it's harder to find things yeah, to I'm nitpick. With you. You know? mm-hmm. And uh, the only thing I could think of is, um, you know what? Some of those kids in the classroom, they were hard to look at. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Oh, okay. You, no, so, <laughs> so since you bring that up, I, I had this written down just like like my miscellaneous section. But the kid in the classroom... Who is just communicating all of the events to Ralphie outside is like, holy cow, it's the fire department. <laughs> that kid has just been in my brain since I saw that. And like, and I like I used his delivery of like, wow, it's the cops. <laughs> like, I've, I've used that myself before. So the, yeah, if, the kid if, extras were going at it. If we had a nitpick, I, I, look on the look on Ralphie's face when he's like shouting out that it's the fire department, that's the police. It's like in his head. It's just like that BB gun is just disappearing. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. No. 
It is. I mean, <laughs> Peter Billingsley's pretty. I mean, we'll talk about him. I'm going to talk about him at least in a little bit. He's so perfect in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like, he channels everything I have as a kid. Uh, the Marie Joire music moment for me, um, it's when he finds the the BB gun. I think that okay. That I mean, there's many moments you can use, but that's the one for me that really stands. Uh, what do you got, Jack? Uh, I've got. Uh, a little bit later on in the movie, uh, the "We Wish You a Merry Christmas" drop at the end. Yeah, that's um, great too. I, I, I fuck it, I'll throw "Silent Night" in there as well. I like the little, just like kind of faint them playing it on the radio, and I like that was another kind of thing that like aged the best. I love the moment where it's just like them, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Parker, just kind of like relaxing, and it's like, yeah, they it's made over. it through the Christmas. Yeah. yeah, and I've always, I've always liked that, despite all the craziness. Like that moment kind of shows like. They're just a normal the, family the, that loves the each calm, other. The calm of Christmas, yeah. yeah. Uh, Rory, what about you? Um, I'm a big fan still of when Ralphie has that fantasy when he comes home. And um, I'm not <laughs> sure how much time has gone by exactly because I it feels like it's supposed to be like 10 years later, but he's still like a little boy. And um, <laughs> that music that's playing when he's supposed to be blind is so funny. <laughs> And I'm not was... sure why, but I, I noticed this last night. I'd never noticed it before. But not only is he blind, but he's also like begging for change. <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah. But that music, it's so like over dramatic and like awesome. It yeah. just like spells the, the childhood spiting your parents fantasy. <laughs> he's like, it was so so poisoning. <laughs> no. Yeah. Uh, they both just melt. Yeah. Um the black turtleneck guy award for 10 minutes of screen time and under. So I feel like there's only one person for this, but Jack, you said you have someone else or something else. Um, Let's hear your answer. I, I, so mine's easy. Mine's Jeff Gillum as Santa Claus. Cause he's on oh, screen yeah. for like yeah. <laughs> four minutes tops and he is cooking. He's shooting like five for five from threes, 10 assists and in, in five minutes of work. He is phenomenal. His ho, ho, ho's are still like the, epitome of like ho ho ho's in christmas movies but yeah that's my option uh what do you the got fact that his oh, clothes go are kind of dirty as well it's kind of funny yeah because yeah. <laughs> he's like a dirty looking santa claus and he's like get him and off my you, lap you have the you have those moments where like the human slips out it's like if higby thinks i'm staying past nine like he could kiss my foot <laughs> and then it just instantly flips back the santa switch uh jack me you, i i can you, i you, guess you, can i guess yeah go ahead is it the bumpus dogs you are correct. Yeah. <laughs> you you mentioned you mentioned throw you mentioned assists and man do the bumpus hounds do that enabling the old man to have his best moments and all all capping off with the turkey at the end. Perfect. Oh, that's another good delivery. Sons of bitches, bumpus hounds. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Rory, what about you? What do you got? Um, mine's very close to yours. Um, it's it's the elf standing next to the Santa Claus. <laughs> Hurry I love up, him. Stores closing. Those I love how the, all like all the elves they are showing such contempt for those children, and they're not even <laughs> trying to mask it. They're so mean. But there's a really cool shot when Ralphie's looking up at the at the at the male elf, and he kind of like bends into the camera, and he's kind of like shaking his head back and yeah, forth. Yeah, I like that shot like, too. Yeah, little, like, like it's like how like, a little kid would see that. Also, <laughs> like panicking and like there's just. 
I don't know, man. That 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 guy's face and his delivery is very funny to me. <laughs> and and like the the little annoying boy in front of Ralphie just crying when he gets put on the lap. My yeah, literally like frame one. <laughs> my daughter is well, she's gonna be a year on Christmas Day. She was ten months. Well, she was about eleven months when she met Santa Claus for the first time. Oh. I I'm gonna tell you, she did not cry. So that little boy, ready to go. That little boy is a fucking bitch. All right. <laughs> Uh, for me, the MVP of the film, I, I, it's Peter Billingsley and Gene Shepard. I kind of go on okay, both of them. Yeah, I think those two. I, I'll, I'll throw I'll throw Billingsley in there too. I, I had just Gene Shepard written, but you might as well have both. Uh, Rory, do you have anyone different? Um, I'm gonna take a page from Jack. I'm going with the Bumps Dogs. Bumps no, dogs. real. <laughs> love that. Love that. Understandable. I, I love them, and I heard they were all good boys on set. So that's great. All right, yeah. Mount good. Mount Rushmore. Is this Mount Rushmore for the official Red Rider Carbine Action 200 shot range minor air rifle? Yes, aside from the one that I owned myself when I was younger. I did. Which that I as, probably should have mentioned earlier. I did that <laughs> as quick as possible. Uh, Mount Rushmore Christmas movies. Yes, for me. As mentioned, it hovers by four. Uh, but the easy four for me are It's a Wonderful Life, A Muppet Christmas Carol. I got to have Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer on there. But the rank and bash collectively, really. And then that fourth spot is like Die Hard, Christmas Story, even National Lampoon on some years kind of hovers there. But I think Christmas Story is most often the number four, I would say. So I, I would say so. Is this in your four, Rory? It's my number two. What's your number one? Uh, number well, actually, it's either two or three. It's really hard. I would go every single day. Um, it's a Wonderful Life. Okay. Um, because that is one of my top favorite movies of all time. Likewise. Um, yeah, it just is such a beautiful movie. Um, and then Christmas Story. It's kind of battling between um, Christmas Story and Gremlins. Ah, yes. Yeah. Love Gremlins. Yeah. Gremlins is a Christmas movie. I don't care what anyone says. Oh, it is. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. it is. And on yeah. the on the podcast agenda for next year as it celebrates 40 years. Sure. Yeah. So um, is this Mount Rushmore for soap? Uh, well, I Fight Club's up soap. there. Uh, I think this is. This definitely has to be it's it. Pr- definitely up there, yeah. Uh, Fight this... Club is probably one, but this probably gets the definitive two. soap movie. Seriously, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> is <laughs> this Mount Rushmore of usage or mention of fudge? Okay, so well, we got Willy Wonka. That's what I was going to say. Willy Wonka would be probably one. If if we want to throw if we want to get really technical, I guess we could go Cornelius Fudge and Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, hmm. Anyone ever seen Cannibal the Musical? The Matt Stone no. Trick? No. No. Oh, that's the, oh it's them? Oh, that's actually, I was going to say, if it's those guys, then I trust them. That, that, yeah. That's good. <laughs> There's a pretty good fudge, fudge joke in that movie um, that always comes to mind. But uh, yeah, the Christmas story gets it. Is this Mount Rushmore for movie narrations in movies? It's definitely for me, yes. I think so. Uh, can if you can't think, movie? It, it's so hard. So There's my so top, many... my top two is very like I was born in 1986. Uh, so this is my one, and the Sandlot is two. Those are my two favorite voiceovers. It's very much like of the time and the era for me. So those two always stand as my two favorite. Clockwork Orange, I know, is up there for me, big time. Um, 
I think Goodfellas kind of has to be just yeah. on principle. Has kind of just on principle. Uh, but no, it's it's probably up there. I would say if if not, it is like in that like striking distance of it because it the, it the, really helps so much. The term "old man." Oh yeah. Yeah. All right. Is um does does it have to be a movie for best narration? Not well, necessarily. I don't what think. do you have? Um, I would say uh, Dexter is super. Oh active. yeah! That's oh wow! Good. Okay. That's good. I was yeah. like, "Are you gonna go like March of the Penguins?" Never <laughs> 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 track. Great though. Uh, uh, yeah, so probably like Dexter and um, Clockwork Orange was a great poll, Jack. Um, yeah, probably one of those two. And Goodfellas, yeah, Goodfellas has a great one. Yeah, I love even, the narration. Even, of Goodfellas. Sunset Boulevard too. Oh, like, that's another good one. Uh, so, damn, so that's hard, another good man. one. Yeah. All right, last couple, for, last couple for me. Movie parents, I love these two. Oh yeah, I no, love these two like a, a lot. Couple that complement themselves perfectly. Um, Little Orphan Annie. <laughs> I think it's the number one. I'm still <laughs> even, I, 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 I like I know it's a radio show, but I do like do not know what it is like concept wise. Like I know like the Lone Ranger and like all the kind of stuff, but like I, that was one that I just like. I knew of it from this and this alone, really. So. And then my last two are lamps. I think this is number one, to be honest, because I don't Let's think see, the best lamp in e- a movie. E- sure. Evil Dead Two, the <laughs> laughing lamp is the up there for me also. Good. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know what's great about the lamp in this movie is that it's so perfectly weird. It's such a weird choice for like a prop in a movie. Yeah. Borderline, like, dumb. <laughs> like, it's yeah, like a it's, leg lamp. Yeah. It's so funny, because you're like, why did you go with that? And, and like, yeah, how much, he, how much he values it, too. Like, it's all, like, the. it's not, like, what it is. It's the achievement of it. It's, like, it's, it's not like, oh, yeah, it's a lamp. It's an award. Like, I won it. It's a major award. Yes. <laughs> I, I should not underplay how it's severity. And I own it, too. I have it in my window. Oh, you do? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Watching it, I was like, man, I'm, like, once I get my own apartment... Might might be hard not to get one. I will say. And then the, the window. And then the last two. Um, oh, I already said lamps. And finally, never thought about this until this rewatch. No name characters. The old man doesn't have a name. You're right. Well, Mrs. Parker doesn't either. I don't think she. Uh, she has a listed name on IMDb, but she, oh, he I, doesn't. I He's just listed as the old man. So that's just huh. that's another one that I came up with. Old man, driver. Uh, Trying to think. John Doe. The man with no. Well, he has a name in all of those movies. That doesn't really count. John uh, Doe in Seven. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know he's persona non grata, but that came to mind too. Um, but yeah, do you guys have anything else for here? <sighs> I was. I thought you might bring this up. Where would you go on youth protagonists, Dave? Henry, got E.T. Henry got Thomas. E.T. Yep. So I'd put Elliot or... I think Ralphie would be my second. Yeah. That's your I it's, can't think of any. Yeah, that's a good one. He's, he, that's like the, that was the one big difference from ours. But yeah, youth protagonists was him. Nazu, um, Nazuzu. Oh, yeah. Reagan's not the protagonist. Uh, but the Stand By Me group, probably, collectively, I would say. And then, yeah, I think Ralphie's definitely in there. 
And Rory, do you have anything here? Um, I don't know if you guys do this on the show or not, but um, I had a, a funny observation. No, go for it. So I never noticed this until last night. So like Ralphie is beating Scott pretty badly, right? Like Scott, I'm sorry. Yes. Um, his face is all bloody and he's bruised. The mom shows up and she doesn't even ask if that kid's okay. She just collects her child and leaves. Leaves. Child in the snow. She barely even looks at him. Oh, oh, the other thing I was wondering, like, what's the age difference between like Scott and them? Because like, I was like, he seems like middle school. At least that's like the vibe I got. He's just like hanging out like the elementary school or like whatever. And his also, buddy, his buddy, the other little observation that I made that made me laugh, his buddy is dressed like a 1920s cab driver. Yeah, no, that was, yeah, yeah, I was saying, I was, he looks like he, he should be like in that scene, like in The Departed, where they're like outside of the bar, just like, that guy's a cop. <laughs> <laughs> but the other, the other thing about Scott that I found funny was, I don't know why, just him like, Hosting up on the monkey bars and then just <laughs> dropping down. Like, did he see the others? I was like, you guys better not walk under these monkey bars. Like, otherwise I'm going to get you. <laughs> and they just were not paying attention. But We didn't say this, but this is definitely Mount Rushmore for, say, uncle. <laughs> oh, yeah. No. Um. All right. So let's finish off with some fun facts here. So Darren McGavin ad-libbed. All the profane rants while fighting with the furnace. He said he speaks gibberish the entire time, actually, because it's almost impossible for him to ad-lib angry words without actual profanity. And he did this in order to ensure the PG rating, which was awesome. And shout out to Rory's cat that just popped into the screen. (laughs) Zella, she she has a problem if I don't pay attention to her for a couple of minutes. She gets weird. That is our Bruce, too. But Bruce is more into Jenny than into me. So that helps me when I pod. Uh, according to Peter Billingsley, now may, many studios were interested in a story about a little boy in the 1940s who wanted a BB gun for Christmas. Billingsley said that the studio agreed to make his film if Bob Clark agreed to make a horror film, which is interesting. Uh, due to the popularity of the the Daisy Rifle Company has started producing Red Rider BB guns for sale during Christmas season. It has become one of Daisy's best-selling rifles to this day, which um, I would never get one of those things. They still are you still can get one easily. I just, I don't think I would. Yeah. Like, cause I would never want to take it out of the box. The box is like elite. Um, the family, Wait, did they, Go ahead. Have, have they reverted to the old box? Cause the one, the one that I got was like, it was just like a normal, like 2008 looking. Like, if you yellow go, box. I believe you'd have to check if you go through the Christmas, mm-hmm. cause the Christmas move, the Christmas store move house, you can stay there, which is a bug. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's pretty decently priced until you want to stay there Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve is like two thousand oh, dollars. Yeah, I'm not doing that. Like, <laughs> I'll, I, I'll go like December like like fifth. See, I am <laughs> a, good enough. Good enough. Me good being enough. that guy, July I would 2nd. need to be there Christmas Eve. Like, it needs to be like I want to be there Christmas Eve. I want to wake up there Christmas morning. It's like that's the that's the feeling I want, and hopefully it 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 uh, snows when I go. But no, the um um. The family eats meatloaf, red cabbage, and mashed potatoes for dinner every single day. The only time they didn't eat that was Christmas Day when they actually go to the to bowlings. And they, well, they were gonna have turkey like originally, so it still would have been different. So special so, meal, regardless. Here we go into the casting what ifs. According to Bob Clark, 
there was another person that was very much interested in playing the old man. At this point, he was a one-time Academy Award winner, was about to win his second Oscar, Mr. Jack Nicholson. That would have been interesting. I'm glad it didn't work out that way, but I think he would have probably given it an interesting performance. Yeah, this, I, I, uh, the studio the did, guy. I still think he would have done. I think it would have done pretty good. good yeah, yeah. The studio didn't want to pay Nicholson's fee anyway. But uh, I'm glad because I couldn't imagine anyone else playing that role because he was one uh, while I was watching it last night that I was just like very charmed by. Like I, I love that character. So much so it's and, a, Jack Nicholson I feel like would have brought a different vibe to it and Clark even stated like this uh McGavin was the better choice to ultimately play yeah. the role this uh may you may not know this show uh Jack but I know Rory probably does this is the inspiration for the Wonder Years oh wow yeah hmm. which makes sense with I've seen the Wonder Years it actually if it fits I know, I know the I know the premise that checks out very so, similar I wrote this one for Jack and if you listen to the score of this movie, it kind of gives this away. So two additional fantasy sequences of Ralphie's were ultimately cut from the film. And Jack seems to not know this one, which is great. The, force, the first sequence involved Miss Shields visiting his mother to talk about his excellence and why he deserves a Red Rider BB gun. Followed by wait. Ralphie imagining... Uh, wait, nope, that's it for that one. And then finally... Ralphie imagining saving Flash Gordon from Ming the Merciless using the Red Rider BB gun. Now that would have been cool. There is a piece of the score that's called Ming the Merciless on the Christmas story. Wait, really? Yes, I did not is. see that. Yes, there is. Huh. There is <laughs> also there is also another sequence where Ralphie saves Santa Claus from Black Bart with his gang and with the gun, resulting in Santa piling presents on top of Ralphie as a reward. Like this movie that's more Red Rider PV. We should have just added this to the 4K release. I don't know why it's not on the, it like the scenes exist. Why not were, just put it I was in? Gonna say, were, were they deleted scenes? They were deleted scenes, but okay, they're not in the uh Bob Clark's success with Porky's allowed him to make a movie he wanted to make. Without Porky's there would not have been a Christmas story, which is pretty crazy. Uh you kind of mentioned For the record I, Porky's is pretty fun too. I've only seen it once. I don't remember it's too much about solid. it. Department store uh, Higby's no longer exists. It closed in January and on January 7, 2002. It is now home to Jack's Casino. Uh, two names stuck out with me regarding Ralphie. Yeah, I think they're the same two names. Will Wheaton and Sh- Sean Astin. Where yeah. all- if, he, if either of them wanted to be Flick or Schwartz, I would have been. I would have been cool with that. Would have been cool, like be like, oh, they did that before Goonies and Stand by Me. Uh, okay. But they both, but the two kids that did play them weren't both good. So. And then the last three, second film starring Melinda Dillon set in Indiana. Do you guys want to know the? Do you guys know what the other one is? Came out in 1977. Uh, Close from, Encounters of the Third Kind. Yes, you got me. Oh, that was the one other movie that came to mind. I was like, please say 1977. This is a tidbit that I wrote down from the live from this watch. Ralphie tells three grown-ups, his mother, his teacher, and Santa, that he wants a Red Rider BB gun, and they all turn him down. The one person he never thinks to ask who ultimately gets him the gun is his, <laughs> his dad, the old man. Yeah. Well, you know what's, what's nice about that, though, is that you would think that he would have to go through his mom because the mom seems to have, like, the better relationship with the kids. Mm-hmm. But I love the fact that his father was obviously listening. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. what makes that moment that's, land. That's a great point. I never thought about that. Wow. Yeah. 
Uh, another dub for the old man. That what a character. And in the last like at that moment, it's too because if you watch his performance, it's like he knows how badly he wanted that. Yeah. He's so excited just to see him get it. And like that yeah, I was watching that last night and I'm like, oh I have I have tears in my eyes. Yeah, that's it's awesome. <laughs> and then the last one, there are two sequels to this movie, a Christmas story two and a Christmas story Christmas. A Christmas story two is a direct D V D movie that came out like in two thousand I think eight or nine. I don't even remember. Like late like aughts or whatever. Um it's not good. Ralphie wants a car in this one, but I kind of appreciate Daniel Stern playing the old man. A Christmas Story Christmas came out last year, which I did actually really enjoy. And the end of that movie, the fact that... Have you seen it, Rory? I don't want to spoil it. I did. So I really... I talking about like a tearjerker, I really love like the story that he's publishing and he's reading it to the family at the end. Opens up A Christmas Story and it's like ends with the transition from Ralph to Peter to Gene Shepard. It's like <laughs> kind of chef's kiss on that. Uh, and that is all i have um jack do you have anything else before we go on this uh no that was it awesome so yeah this i'm glad we got to do this movie i love this movie i'm glad that you guys enjoyed as much as i do um next week we will be back with our best worst and most anticipated movies of next year um jack was a great year enjoy your break where can everyone find you? you Yeah, you can find me on Letterboxd. You can just look up my name, Jack Renault. You'll find me there. Um, also, me and Dave, as well as our absent guest Hunter, are, also, are on the Critics Circle on Instagram. Uh, you can find me at the cinematicreel.com and on Letterboxd, IG, X, Twitter, on the same thing. Um, also, my work is also on Rotten Tomatoes. And Rory, you definitely will be back next year. We already talked off the line. There's a lot of subjects that I know you want to come on next year. It's always great having you on. Where can everyone find your work? Um, you can find like all my film stuff so far. You can find that on like, like Facebook under Ravenview productions. Um, you can see like a trailer for a film actually right behind me. <laughs> um, you can see the trailer for that on YouTube. Um, I also have a uh, podcast with uh, my friends, EJ Leeson and uh, Vince Napoli uh, called Frequels. Uh, you can find it under Frequel Podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. Um, it's just basically us talking about horror movies and finding like little areas within them to kind of make each other laugh. It's like more of like on the comedy side, if anything. But it's it's a lot of fun. Like some kind of good response from it so far. But primarily, that's where you can find me. Creeping. It, it's a <laughs> good good listen. Definitely check that out. All right, until next week, Merry Christmas and see you at the movies, guys.